there, and thanks for listening to the Adulting is Easy podcast. This is Lauren, and I manage the Adulting is Easy blog and podcast, which can be found at realadultingiseasy.com. And the podcasts can be found pretty much anywhere you want to listen to them. I'm joined today by Amanda Kassar, a financial advisor who holds a Master of Financial Planning and runs her two businesses, Wealth Planning Partners and Trusted Aged Care Services, from her office on the Gold Coast of Australia. Amanda runs a family business with both of her adult children and her sister-in-law working in the business, assisting clients Australia-wide with their wealth creation and protection needs. She's a lover of travel, reading, music, movies, and lifelong learning. Amanda is also the current Australian chair for the Million Dollar Roundtable, the premier organization for financial advisors around the world. When writing her book, Financial Secrets Revealed, she stumbled onto the phenomenon of financial abuse, which has inspired her to design a course for financial advisors and professionals globally to become financial abuse specialists in collaboration with the UK firm Standards International. Thanks for being here, Amanda. Thank you so much for inviting me. Our goal for today is to make adulting a bit easier for the listeners by discussing a personal finance topic since managing money is a big part of adulting. Today, Amanda, we're going to discuss a pretty heavy topic, financial abuse. Um, Why don't we start by telling listeners what exactly that is? Sure. So financial abuse is basically a form of coercive control where a partner, family member, carer, or somebody in the victim's life tries to um, rule their financial world in a particular way. So this can be anything from forcing a person to change their will or pension or obtain power of attorney, or it can be included even under elder abuse and domestic violence laws. So it's quite a wide area, but usually involves an intimate partner having control over the other person's access to economic resources and it diminishes their capacity to support themselves, meaning they have to depend very much on the perpetrator of the abuse financially. And you said you stumbled upon this, right? Yes. So when I wrote my book, I didn't want to just write another financial advisor telling you how to run a budget kind of a book. I thought there's plenty of that already out there and done possibly way better than I could do it. I I wanted to examine more the stories our parents do or don't tell us as we grow up. And the more people I interviewed, the more I found that mostly our parents don't teach us anything about money. But of course, there are also those unspoken lessons that we learn as we grow up, which, you know, could be those old stories, money doesn't grow on trees and those kind of lessons. And one of the ladies um, I spoke with who um, I'd done media studies with who now lives with her husband in California, she was telling me about a former marriage that she had where coercive control was used and also the strange ideas her parents had around money you know they'd drive past a beautiful home and they'd say things like obviously they've done bad things to you know get that they've they've obviously done something illegal to be able to get ahead like that so she grew up with these very strange ideas around money herself and then yeah her partner slowly took over she came into the relationship as this really savvy award-winning investigative journalist with a home and money in a trust account and basically had to escape the relationship with her small daughter 
by stashing $20, she'd been able to skim off some of the grocery money to couch surf with friends just to provide a bit of food for her and her daughter once she finally left. And it really, I suppose, blew my mind that people do that. You know, I've, I've been married a very long time in a financially respectful relationship. I haven't seen any of this kind of abuse in my family life. And look, I did grow up with a very traditional, you know, dad's the breadwinner, mum mostly stays home, had a part-time job. So there was a little bit of that 1950s, you know, Stepford housewife kind of growing up, which was very normal for for very many people. Uh, But Uh I've never come across this, you know, fact-checking hand me over every receipt so I can see what you've been spending the money on and and then the ultimatum of you know I don't want you fiddling around with the media anymore I want you stacking shelves at a local supermarket so it it just was so outside anything that I personally knew and was familiar with that it got me very intrigued and I started to think how much more of this is out there you know, who else is suffering from this? What What are the stats on this sort of abuse? And just, I suppose, went down Alice's rabbit hole and <laughs> opened a massive can of worms in in discovering, you know, how much of this is, is actually out there. Yeah, that's a really tragic story and interesting all the same. And we actually posted, I posted a podcast on November 17th, which was about money mindsets and how we get them and, you know, how maybe you can change them and overcome them. Um, So that's, that's definitely an important topic. Um, It's interesting that when you started investigating that, that it turned into this uncovering of coercive control um, and financial abuse. Um, And you said it mostly is between partners, but sometimes it can can be outside of intimate relationships too. That's right. A carer for an elderly person may, um, you know, be doing anything from taking money off the nightstand to, you know, trying to get them sign over control. I've seen a, a young man in his 30s very powerfully influenced, for want of a better word, by his parents. He would have to sign over cars to them. They'd make him pay the fines that they'd run up on on the vehicle um, and I've, you know, seen children do it to their parents as well in an elder abuse scenario, but it is most common between partners. How can you know if you know someone in this kind of a relationship? Well, usually it starts with that gut feeling that things just aren't quite right. You know, the girlfriend you'd go out to tea or coffee with or cocktails with or you'd go shopping with, you know, she'd buy the new dress or the shoes. Suddenly she isn't allowed to go out anymore. She might say she can't afford the coffee. Um, She's, you know, looking a bit sadder. Her clothes are a bit shabbier. Um, She's embarrassed or just won't come out anymore. So you start to get this, look, something's not right with Sharon, we'll call her. Um, so there's those sort of um, starting to recognise the signs and other times, you know, there can be abusive phone calls or texts while you're out, where are you, what are you doing, um, you haven't checked in. There, there can be constant texts and phone calls the whole time that are abusive or checking up on people when you're there that just don't feel right. So they're usually 
the beginning signs. You know, for elderly people, it might be that someone actually marches them down to the bank, forcing them to withdraw mm-hmm. larger sums of money. Um, and, you know, if somebody has to then, you know, get a receipt for every little purchase and hand that over to a partner so that they can, you know, have them reconciled or be yelled at over buying a salad, those kind of things are all all signs that something isn't quite right. Is this something that happens little by little? It can. Look, usually you're not going to be, you know, going out or falling in love with a person who's right from the get-go right. you know, abusive. And, and that's like any you know, domestic relationship as well. We don't fall in love usually with people who from the outset are there to hurt us. So often there's narcissistic tendencies, there's a charm or a charisma that this person is just so lovely and gets you in and you fall in love with them. And then, you know, there's that one little thing that you think, oh, maybe that wasn't right. And you just blow it off, you know, oh, it's just one thing, or it was only $20 or what you know, you you put those intuitive emotions aside, and the lady who I interviewed originally, Tanya, who told me her story, she likened it to the frog in the pot. Whereas, wow. you know, if you're thrown in and somebody suddenly starts being abusive and wanting control, it's very obvious. But when it's little by little over time, there's degrading of your self-esteem, the emotional abuse starts as well. And then there's the sorries, I'll never do it again, I'll make it up to you, I'd never want to hurt you. Just the very, very, you know, normal pattern of, of abuse that by the time you wake up and go, how did I get here? You know, the water's boiling, the, the frog's boiled, it's it's so far down the track that you're sort of like, how how did this happen? So it's it's very typical in most patterns of abuse that this is the way it goes. Yeah, and I think it's important for people to know that this can happen to anyone. The the journalist examples are really good on that someone who's obviously very smart and driven and educated and it still happened to her. Well, it actually even happens quite regularly even to celebrities. I, I know, you know, Tina Turner's a massive name in the States and I, I got to see her story recently when I went to the West End pre-COVID when we could still travel and, you know, we, we knew that Ike physically beat her, but the amount of financial control that was in their relationship as well was outstanding. You know, she's headlining in Vegas and couldn't pay the rent, um, couldn't pay her dances. She was borrowing money off people in the show to feed her children. So um, wow. it can happen, you know, from any any level of society. So she's not the only very wealthy person it's happened to and look it makes sense you know if you're going to abuse someone why not do someone with money um sure. mickey rooney was also a poster boy for elder abuse the late great um stan lee of all the marvel comics was also abused um financially and i've i've traveled you know into the villages in uganda with a group called the hunger project and you know found people there who who have absolutely nothing you know they own three cooking pots they're lucky if they have a mattress and the clothes they stand in and a lovely lady there told me that her husband had left sold the cooking pot sold the mattress and left her with the three children never to return so this form wow. of abuse covers every strata of society it's it's not just limited you know to middle class mum and dads or anything like that so for young listeners, is there anything that they should be looking out for? I mean, some some people, you know, are, my listeners are pretty much in their 20s. 
for the yep. most part. That's a huge percentage of it. And they may be getting into their first relationship, maybe their second one. They may not even really know enough to have the bad gut feeling. Is there anything logically using just non-emotion that they can be looking out for? Absolutely. I think it's really important, firstly, to understand what does a healthy financial relationship look like? And, you know, do they have a good example, you know, in their parents or family members that they can see um, what what it would look like? So that can be things like, you know, we've, we've got joint goals, we're working to them together, uh, we both know where the bank accounts are, we have access um, to at least view or understand where each other's money's coming from. So it's when I say a healthy relationship, there's that mutual respect and understanding. Another thing I'd really, really recommend is that you never completely sign over all your accounts into joint accounts. If you both have jobs, keep your individual bank accounts, but then work out in your relationship what works for you. Is it going to be a 50-50 split of the bills? Is it a 60-40? Is it you pay for the housing expenses and I'll pay for the food? And whether you put all that money into a joint account to cover those items or you pay them out of your own, just never completely give up your financial independence to anybody. It's just too important that if you find yourself in that situation, most people can't leave because of the money. Yeah. So you if you money protect yourself from the start financially, you'll never be in a situation where you can't go. And especially, you know, by the time you've got a couple of kids and you're completely reliant on somebody else financially, it makes it very difficult. And, you know, when they do the victim blaming and you hear these stories of horrific abuse and go, well, why didn't they leave? The answer often is financial. Mm-hmm. You know, they yeah, and their children in a bad situation or themselves. So so they stay for those reasons. Yeah, and in a healthy relationship, the partner should understand your desire to want to keep some financial autonomy. Absolutely. And you know, if you can't buy a dress or buy a coffee, you know, you have to question is this a healthy relationship? And look, if you're both saving that, you know, you desperately want that first housing deposit and you're both scrimping and saving and you won't buy a lippy or you won't, you know, get those extra things because that's your joint goal, that's very different to you must deprive yourself of something because somebody's told you to. So understanding those differences as well is really important. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. So for the people out there who, you know, using your example, you have, say, a girlfriend, you go out often for coffee or you go shopping, not in excess, but here and there. And, you know, you hang out, maybe you get drinks, right? And then over time, she comes out less and less, or she buys less and less, or she says she can't afford certain things that you pretty much know she, in fact, should be able to afford and could afford very recently. Um, what can you do as this person's friend? Well, I think it's it takes a brave person to be able to confront that and say, you know, hey, Sharon, I've noticed things are a bit different lately. Is everything okay? Sometimes you don't want to take that bold approach. And I suppose it depends on the personality type. There's people out there who are just like, righto, sweetheart, something's wrong. Tell me what's going on. (laughs) And there's other people who will much more beat around the bush and want to be a little bit more considerate. And, you know, they feel a bit uncomfortable about it. And, 
then putting it back on us, there was a, a fabulous psychological technique I learnt many years ago called I feel when because. So you mm-hmm. might say, you know, Sharon, I feel sad, uncomfortable, angry, whatever the feeling is when we go out now because you can't have a drink with us, you can't buy coffee, you haven't had a new dress in ages. Um, so it's it's I suppose you're not attacking the person. You're not saying why can't you do this, which can yeah. often get our backs up when we're attacked, <laughs> whereas we're putting it back on us going, I feel uncomfortable when you can't spend money because you've always been able to do that. So that formula of I feel when because it's very hard to challenge someone because we're talking about our own feelings rather than, mm-hmm. you know, is, is the new boyfriend. Yeah, they can't say, yeah. No, Amanda, you don't feel that way. <laughs> exactly. It's a bit harder to attack you. So, yeah, just that more softly, softly approach for those who'd rather do that than go on the attack, I suppose. Yeah. And look, maybe, you know, Sharon won't be in a situation where she wants to talk to you about it or she's still trying to figure it out herself. But to know that someone's actually noticed can be good. And it may just be, look, you know, things seem a bit different. I'm here if you need me. Um, If you need an escape plan or anything like that, knowing that someone has noticed is really vital that you've got people you can trust in your life that you can turn to when when things go pear-shaped. Yeah, that that's that's really good. Um, is there when it comes to family members? Is there anything that our listeners should know? Right? It should they be looking out for their own parents from their siblings, from their grandparents? You know what? What should people know? And when it comes to financial abuse within the family. Yeah, it is quite tricky and being able to talk to other family members about it, sometimes, you know, you might just have that funny feeling, you know, is is Auntie Meryl ripping off Nan or that sort of thing, whereas, you know, it, it might be very difficult to talk to her, but if there's other family members and you can all sit down and have a family chat, uh, that can be great. Obviously not every family has the opportunity to be able to do that. But I think also working out our own personal boundaries is very important what we will and won't accept ourselves um, and then being able to go well is that something Nan would accept or you know even approaching Nan do you feel uncomfortable at the moment Nan when you know auntie's around or you know there's been if Nan sort of says things you know there's there's bits and pieces going missing or I can't find my checkbook or my deposit book or my term deposit monies so taking notice of those things in the family, often when I suppose grandma's getting a bit elderly and, you know, she might be losing it a little, we tend to downplay or diminish their concerns, treat them a bit like an infant. Oh, Nan, you're just losing it. Don't be silly. You know, auntie would never do that. So I think taking them seriously is firstly just a sign of, of respect. Just because you're elderly, it doesn't mean you're stupid. Right. So, you know, if if they can't find things and they're frustrated, there may be a really good reason for that. It could be that they've misplaced it or it could be that there is something more sinister going on and, you know, the rest of the family should be given an opportunity. There was a, a case in Australia, I think is the very first one that ever went to the high court where a, a gentleman had been 
um, abused by his adopted daughter and the granddaughter noticed the abuse and she went to the two sisters, her two aunts, and said, look, I think auntie so-and-so is not doing the right thing by par. You know, can we all get together and have a chat to her about it? There's lots of money gone missing. She's put him in a really awful facility. Um, you know, he had a lot of money. It seems to be gone. What can we do? And, you know, the two sisters basically said, oh, look, she's always been that way. We're not really interested. They'd got their half of the inheritance and didn't care. And it was only when she decided to take it to the police and investigate further that they found out that over time she had gambled away nearly $4 million, um, which, yeah, had just gone basically into the pokies. Uh, so with oh. her winnings, what she got out and what she put back in. Um, and in the end, the, the granddaughter felt if no one's going to do this, I need to take it further. And she went on a local news show and, and she said, I, I wanted them to feel shame that they wouldn't help that this beautiful man who had adopted the three of them and raised them all their life, you know, that they, they didn't care and she wanted to, I suppose, make a point but also show that there's a precedent now for people who don't take their power of attorney seriously and right. act in the best interest of the person they're supposed to be the attorney for. There are consequences to that in law. So yes, he wanted that, to make an example, you know, so she definitely gave everybody the opportunity to be involved and then said, look, this is where it's going to go. I don't think they believed her um, and were horrified that she took it that far against the sister who ended up being under house arrest um, for, I think, 18 months, which meant she couldn't go near a club or to the pokies, which would have pretty much broken her. But aside from that, there was no legacy left for the rest of the family, yeah. which was heartbreaking for them and the fact that Pa died with much shame and embarrassment and anger and confusion and not in the you know lifestyle to to which he'd worked very hard for to provide his old age and the legacy for his children so there's so many emotions involved when it comes to a family that it can be quite difficult to navigate that and you know maybe professional help is needed in some situations you might need to bring in a mediator or a psychologist or someone who can help the family navigate it because emotions usually run quite high <laughs> in family situations yeah we um did an episode that was posted november 3rd that was about five talks that you should have with your parents and it was very estate planning focused yep. and some of that would help help with this and it's like have have more than one person as there to make decisions too absolutely very good advice so it sounds like your research is ongoing as you're working on this um, financial abuse specialist certification program can you talk a little bit about that yeah so i i found a need i started interviewing other financial advisors and saying look have you come across this form of abuse with your clients are you aware of it and the vast majority sort of looked at me blankly and said, no, nope, they've never seen it, never heard of it, don't really know much about it. And then there were a few that went, yes, I've had cases of this, uh, it's it's out there, it happens, and it's, it's pretty awful. So those who'd been a part of it in the past, I interviewed them for their, 
history, their case studies to find out how they dealt with it, um, what they did when they identified it. And I just saw there's this massive need globally for financial professionals, not just advisors, to be able to understand, look, what are the red flags? What what do we do when we see this? How, how can we help? Because this might not just help someone out financially. It could save a life once you're recognising the red flags and putting it out there that, look, I've, I've seen something I'm not comfortable with. Do you want to do something about it or not? Um, and, and being able to help. So I wanted... I suppose people who'd been in the situation to know that there were advisors out there who would be a safe pair of hands for them to approach. And look, it may be, you know, if you're walking away with nothing and starting by the bootstraps, you you may need financial counselling, not a financial advisor. But there's others who walk away, you know, they go through the divorce process, there is a lump sum settlement, and they've been told they're so useless with money, I'll never mm-hmm. be any good, they have absolutely no confidence and they don't want to blow it, um, you know, that there are qualified advisors out there who understand that and can help them. So that was my motivation in putting together the course. So I wanted advisors to walk away from the course knowing the red flags, what to do, what some case studies looked like, how elder abuse worked and be able to put together a financial abuse plan in their own business so that they could then understand it and help others through it. Yeah, I think that's incredible. Is it available now or are you still working with Standards International on the certification? No, it it was um, finally finished in July, August and rolled out. So if you go to the standardsinternational.co.uk and look for the financial abuse certification, it is available globally. Obviously, the, the amount to Um, sign up for is in pounds which will just convert to whichever country you sign up from and there is um, a certification that's provided at the end you do need to uh, jump through some hoops there's some quizzes you have to provide the paperwork that you will put together in your practice and provide some videos as well so it's not just you know a multiple choice and away you go and then Mm -hmm. to keep up the certification because we're finding every year more and more Um, things are coming up in this area so I've since I've written the course already discovered there's a phenomenon called granny dumping where people who are carers no longer wish to care or can't afford to so they dump the elderly sometimes at a hospital there was a huge international case where a man from the US took his elderly father father father-in-law with dementia and dumped him in the UK what um, and couldn't yeah, just left so that because care was too expensive in the US, didn't want to look after him anymore. So it also peaks around holiday season that, you know, if carers have been exhausted from looking after the family for the whole year and they want a break, they might just dump a grandparent somewhere, which is absolutely horrific. Mm -hmm. So if families can then come up with, you know, plans, the person might go, look, I'm at my wits end, I can't do this anymore can we pop them into respite care? Is there another family member who can help? What can we do? I just need a break instead of just dumping a family member. Then another one came up on gaslighting based on the 
old movie where a woman was made to feel she was losing her mind by her partner and that also happens with financial abuse, that the emotional abuse is so strong that you completely doubt your own self and your abilities. So there's more and more coming to light and I think whether you love or hate the Me Too movement, it's certainly shone a light on abuse and people now being brave enough to come forward and stand up and not just highlight their own particular case but, you know, face their accusers and bring them, you know, out in the light and expose them for what they've done. So it's definitely happened for the domestic violence and sexual abuse and I'm hoping it'll happen more and more for the financial abuse as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if you do have that bravery and you do out that other person, that probably also maybe leads to some more safety for that person. And also that maybe they won't do it to somebody else. You know, or maybe right. they're chronic and they will. But, you know, at least if, if it's out there and people know then, um, you know, you can start getting some help and some closure and rebuilding. And look, yeah, that's the hard part. beautiful. You know, she, she crawled away from this relationship. She had a mini stroke from the stress. She ended up with adult epilepsy. She you know, clawed herself up and she's now running a fabulous um, media company and remarried a beautiful man in California and, you know, she's a fabulous success story of, you know, victim becoming survivor. So, you know, they are out there. There's another woman who has just won the Pride of Britain Awards and her partner abused her so severely financially that she had to um, show him every receipt and he'd go off his brain if she bought a salad that he didn't approve of. And when she finally got the courage to leave, he beat her so savagely she needed facial reconstructive surgery. Mm. And she's now started a clothing label where the profits and proceeds go back to helping the trust that helped her when she was in need. And wow. she yeah, won the Prince's Trust Award that was given to her by Prince Charles. So there are people out there who have endured and turned their lives around that, you know, that I think it's really important for those who are struggling and thinking there is no way out from this, it will never get better, that there are other people who have, you know, there are survivors, it does get better, there are people out there who want to help. So that's really important too. Yeah, I look forward to seeing the future of talking about and bringing public financial abuse for sure um i will put the standardsinternational.co.uk um site in the show notes amanda is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up um probably i'd just encourage people to be brave if you've seen or think you've seen a case i would much rather have a chat with that friend possibly lose the friendship over it then know that down the track this person was hurt, um, abused, possibly even murdered and I could have said something and I didn't. So I think saying something is really, really important. There's, there was a, a beautiful woman in Australia that became a very high-profile murder case. Um, her husband exercised massive coercive control over her and she had three beautiful daughters. He killed their mother um, and then was, you know, put on trial. So they lost both their parents and were taken in by the maternal grandparents. And one of the biggest regrets the parents had after watching what she'd been through for many years was that 
they didn't say something. They thought, you know, it's it's their marriage, it's none of our business, we don't want to get involved, and then lost their daughter over it, which is an extreme and a tragic outcome. But I think it also highlights what if they'd said something? What if they'd given her a safe place to go? What All the what ifs that you don't want to be thinking about. And, you know, what if it, it might not have changed anything, but they would have had that, I suppose, a lightness that they had offered or helped or, or said something. And, you know, they've got a big campaign now with the hashtag say something for domestic and financial abuse. So I, I think that is a really, really important thing that if you see something you're not comfortable with, say something. Yeah, that's important. Thank you for adding that. Um, listeners, managing money is a huge part of adulting. Um, it's important to understand as part of your personal financial situation, understanding how to recognize, avoid, and talk about financial abuse. Um, Amanda, thank you so much for joining me today. Would you like to tell people how they can connect with you? Sure. I can be found on all the socials. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, my handle on Instagram and Twitter is at Finance Chicks. So you can find me pretty much anywhere. I do have websites as well, amandacassar.com.au. So yeah, please reach out and connect. I'd love to hear your story and especially survival stories for people who've gone, you know what, I'm not putting up with this anymore. I'm going to get my life back on track. So yeah, I'd love to hear from you. Yeah, absolutely. I'll put all of that in the show notes. And you can follow me on Twitter at adulting is easy. I'm also on Facebook, you can email me at real adulting is easy at gmail.com. And you can show support at patreon.com slash adulting is easy. Thanks again for listening. Hopefully we've made adulting a little easier for you.